powerful God, amen? amen? And He is able to do anything He desires. He carries out any plan that He deceives, any plan that He conceives, that's the word, that He conceives, everything that He desires and plans to do, He makes happen, amen? There is nothing on earth that is greater than He, and so anything He desires, anything that He intends will happen. It is by His power, and there is nothing on earth that is His equal, and so He carries about all that He desires, amen? amen. All right. Um, let's see, let me, uh, let me carry on with that and say this, God desires for his people to be about doing his work, amen? And when I talk about God's work, I'm not talking about something insignificant because all of God's work is significant. It is important and it is eternal and it is greater and more important than anything else that you and I conceive of here on earth. Any plans that we make that are just temporary uh, are, is, is nothing compared to what God intends for us. We read in the last couple of weeks that uh, J- Jesus on his uh, farewell discourse, it's called, um, there before he was crucified, he sat down with his disciples and he told them, uh, these things that I've been doing, you're going to do even greater things than these, which was really something to behold. I can't believe he said it, except that it's true because it's in the scriptures, right? Because what he had been doing was miraculous, amazing things. Right. Some of them weren't miraculous. Some of them were just, he was a companion to those people who were uh, who were uh, broken. He was, he was a friend to people who were, who were discounted, those people who no one else wanted to, to be around because they were sinful people, you know, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> that was a joke. All right. Um, uh, and he hung out with them, and, and, he, and he befriended them that no one else would do, and certainly not a religious uh, teacher like Jesus was, but he did. And some, some of the kindness and the compassion that he shows, it says over and over again in the Gospels that he had compassion on them or he loved them. And that, too, is the work of God. But beyond that, he also healed the sick, and he drove out demons from the possessed, and he fed the hungry. And you and I talked three weeks ago here, and we talked about the things that you and I do uh, that uh, are the works of God. And we talked about those of you who volunteer and do work in our nurseries and love on these children and give these parents some time that we can have, right, adult talk, right? Uh, that is the work of God. That is, that is a work of service for God. The things that some of you do to teach and to lead worship here in this church, those things matter because those are the work of God. They, uh, they are the work of God. When, when you guys give of your time to go uh, help and grow a, a garden out here to give the food away, that is a work of God. Amen. Um, when you teach and, and you love on uh, ladies or, or you bring men together to pray, that is, a, that is God's work. That is his work. And I'm telling you, it is, matters and it's significant. It's important because these things are eternal, right? Well, I just, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a check for, to my mortgage company to pay for my house. Not eternal. I, it's something I got to do. But compared to this, compared to what we get to do here this is kind of work that I can get excited about. This is the kind of work that actually matters, right? I work for that. I pay my, you know, to pay my bills. You know, it's nice to have heat, especially over this last week. Amen. It's that, you know, thank you, Lord, for natural gas. Um, but but uh, those things are, are work. But there is a kind of work that God calls us to that is important and significant and that matters greater than anything else that we're involved in. Amen. Okay, and here's the deal. We started this. I started this by saying that God is able to do everything his, he desires because he is the sovereign. He is the powerful one. He is the one that no one is his equal on earth or in heaven or anywhere else. And everything that he desires, he can make happen. Amen? He intends for you and I to bear fruit. And not just a little bit, but we're going to read this morning that he intends for us to bear much fruit, to be very fruity, if you will. 
um, to be very fruitful. I'm just kidding. To be very fruitful. And I'm telling you this morning, what you've seen and what you've done is nothing in comparison to what God intends for us to do and to be a part of. Amen? That's why I've asked Clay and Sherilyn to sing this incredibly difficult song, God of the City, right? It is incredibly difficult. It's hard to follow, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's highs and lows, and can you keep it down there in the second row? Um, it's incredibly difficult, uh, but, uh, but it's important for us to realize that all the things that we've seen God do is nothing in comparison to what he has in store for us. Amen. I need you to believe that, and I need you to believe it by faith. The other thing we talked about last week, and let me, uh, here we go. We need matches and some kerosene up here so I can set my hair on fire for specific things. This is so important, folks. I cannot tell you. This is something I need you to write this moment to deal with right now, okay? Here's, yes, yeah, and it's bringing about great angst there with Collins, but I need you to deal with this this morning. When I tell you and I read to you like we read in Ephesians chapter 2 last week that God has prepared in advance work for us to do. And I'm talking about his work. I'm not talking about laboring and toiling, uh, you know, that kind of work. I'm talking about his work. When it says that he's prepared his work for us to do in advance, that he's prepared for us, that means that you and I are involved with and he intends for you and I to be a part of what he's doing in his work. The work that, that Jesus Christ started, you and I as part of his body are to continue. Amen? All right, now here's the part that I need you to get right. Here's the part that I need you to, to, to deal with this morning, and I want to ask you to individually this morning, is this. You and I see our weakness, and you see, and I see, I see my failings, you see your own failings, right? You know how well or how poorly you know the Scriptures. You know, the thing, you know how well or how poorly you've been in tune with Jesus Christ this week. You know also your own sin and the darkness of your heart. And unfortunately, probably we don't know the depths of it even. But anyway, but you see your own sin. I'm asking you to believe God's word to say this, for this. His power is greater than all of your weakness. And he is able to accomplish in you everything he desires. Every good work in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that he's put, placed in advance and prepared for you, he can accomplish through you. All right? And, you know, I've, I brought it last week. We had a, a small set of bricks over here that was all of our failings, all of our lack of knowledge, all of our, I'm just not that spiritual, all those lame excuses. My wife says they're like uh, your posterior. Everyone has one and they all stink, right? But anyway, was that inappropriate? I'm sorry. Maybe, okay, yeah, Brenda says yes. Okay, let me repent from that. I won't do that one again. They're excuses, the difficult thing is, I know these things well, and I feel like I own them. Do you feel like you own your own uh, 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 sin? You know, th- those are very seemingly attached to me. But what I'm asking you to, by faith, believe that God's power in you is greater than all of those things. And he can and will, because of what we said in the very beginning here, he is the sovereign one. He is the one that is all-powerful. He can even overcome your weaknesses. It's just an incredible amount of power, isn't it? I'm a little sarcastic there, but listen, you and I don't go around believing that. We go around believing that we're defeated. And there is no greater trick and no greater lie or myth from the enemy for us to believe that I can't do it or I'm not smart enough or I'm not spiritual enough or I don't know the scriptures well enough or, or, or I'm just not that kind of person that, that leaves the, the, the body of Christ paralyzed from doing what God desires for him to do. Amen? And I'm telling you, The power of God in you can do all and more than you can ever imagine. But listen, the hard thing about it is that this power comes by faith. 
It comes by you stepping out and saying, in your workplace, whenever you know someone's going through something that you know you need to say something about, and you dismiss yourself to say, ah, I just can't do it. I'm not spiritual enough. What if they ask me something I don't know from the scriptures? You dismiss yourself from that, and you excuse yourself from that when you had the opportunity to see God work in an area that you couldn't do on your own, under your own power. Are you with me? Do you hear what I'm saying? He can, by his power, overcome all of your darkness and all of your sin and accomplish beautifully all that he desires through you. Amen? Listen, I need you to deal with that right now here today. I need you to deal with that. I need you to reckon that. I need you to wrestle in yourself, and I need you to come up with the right answer here in yourself. I can't do this for you. This is not something someone else can do on your behalf, but you and I know your, I know my failings, and you, you know your failings, but the power of God is greater than all of that, and he can accomplish his work in you and through you, and you have to believe it. It only comes by faith, and it only comes even despite our, our own sin and our selflessness. If God was waiting for some perfect person to come and accomplish his will, he would still be waiting. The, the, the church would have been paralyzed. The gospel would have died out in the first century. No one would ever have heard about the word of, about Jesus Christ or the gospel if he was waiting for perfect people. He accomplishes his will every day, every moment, every minute, every second, throughout all the world through imperfect people just like you and just like me. Amen? Okay. Wrestle with this in your heart. You, I need you to understand this. I need you to deal with this. I need you to come up with the, un, the, with the understanding is that God can accomplish in me all that he desires, period. No buts, no excuses. He can accomplish whatever he desires by his energy, his power, his spirit working in me. Amen? And there's nothing in me that can stop him. Amen? All I got to do is believe by faith that he's going to do what he said he was going to do and he's going to use his spirit to do it and I can walk out in the most uncomfortable of circumstances and see him work. True? Okay. All right. <clears throat> I think I got that on my system at least for about, you know, next 15 seconds. But um, let me tell you, there are some obstacles that stand between us and God's work. There are. There just are. There are obstacles that keep us from doing God's will. There are obstacles that keep us from doing God's work, and we're going to talk about them this morning. This first one is this miserable lack of faith that we have in God's power, okay? Miserable and, and myth lies that we, that we tend to believe from the enemy that we can't. God can't even can't accomplish his will in me. Just simply not true. It's a lie. You need to get rid of it. You need to expel it from your mind. You need to fight against it when you hear the enemy or you hear your own mind and your sinful nature recounting it. It is not true power of God. Okay, I, I, I've harped on that enough, haven't I? He can do anything he desires through you and me. Amen. Okay. The, the first obstacle is this miserable lack of faith, but the second obstacle is this. The second obstacle uh, between us doing God's work and doing greater things, do, bearing fruit in our lives, is that sometimes we have a lack of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just very simply. We're going to read in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles with you, turn there with me, please. So yeah, this first thing, this miserable lack of, of faith that we have in God the second thing is, is the lack of relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. John would speak about this. Uh, we read some in chapter 14 a couple of weeks ago. This week we're going to read in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking here to his apostles, his disciples, the 11 that remain. And he says to them, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right. We're going to break this down just a little bit. Very simply, this is a very simple metaphor. Isn't, don't you love the way Jesus taught? It wasn't complicated. He took very complicated themes and he broke it down very simply, something that, boy, it's just so hard for us. But here's the metaphor is that God is who in the metaphor? God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. That's right. And the branches are who? That's us. That's right. Now, very simple metaphor, right? Okay, so Jesus being the vine and we being the, the branches, we have to be what? Connected to the vine or we wither and die, right? Has anyone seen this happen before? We've all seen this happen before. You know, wind comes and breaks a, a limb off of a tree. Does that limb continue to, uh, to, to be beautiful and look, you know, green and bear fruit? Uh, no, it withers and dies, right? And so this whole passage, very simply is this. Jesus is saying, jump up and down, you have to remain in me. You have to be in relationship with me or you're not going to be able to do anything. You're going to be like that dead branch uh, right underneath the tree that even though it may be, uh, yeah, anyway, you're going to be like that dead branch. You won't be able to bear fruit. And, and here's the deal is that the, our, the, our, life, our, our, our life and our fruit is, is dependent on our union with Jesus Christ. We have to be in him. We have to remain in him. Um, let's see. And verse 2 is very interesting. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so, that we'll bear, so it will be even more fruitful. All right. A uh, lot of controversy, a lot of questions about what does it mean that he cuts off the branch and stuff. I'm not covering that today, so we'll do that another time. I am going to cover the second part. You ever prune something? Um, I tell you, Clay's good at it. Um, I prune something and I almost kill it every time. <clears throat> but, but you prune something for a purpose, right? You're not just thinking, man, I'm going to inflict some pain on that tree today, right? Uh, no, you prune something for a purpose. You prune something so it may grow better or so that it may be even more fruitful. When you prune... Uh, you know, when you prune a rose bush, you're pruning it in such a way so that it will grow and bear roses, right? Right? Not just branches. Uh, uh, not just branches. You don't want it to just grow green branches and thorns. Those aren't so pretty. But if you prune it back, it'll grow roses, right? Same thing with fruit-bearing things. If you prune it back and, te- and tell it, teach it, basically, uh, I don't want you to grow out. I want you to bear fruit. Then it'll begin to bear fruit. You ever been pruned by God? Listen, I... Uh, there's times of pruning in our lives as, as believers. There's times of fruit bearing and there's times of pruning, I'm convinced. Um, that, that pruning is, can be a difficult process. But I want you to remember, we were talking about this in Sunday school this morning when we were uh, in Colossians. By the way, if, if you've not heard me say, we're sitting through the book of Colossians in Sunday school. It's been a really, really great time. You also join us at 9.30 Sunday mornings if you, if you haven't been there. But anyway, um, we were talking about suffering. And we talked about this very, very simple thing is that when we suffer, God sees and God hears, but maybe more importantly is that God is either probably doing something to refine us and bringing about a benefit to us, or he's preparing us for something else. But in the end, here's what it all comes down to is, what is God's intention in pruning? It's good, right? His intention is not to just inflict pain, right? His intention is, that, is not punishment. His intention is 
especially in John chapter 15, verse 2, he says that while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes for a purpose. What's the purpose? So it will be even more fruitful. Yeah. That's something that's so hard for us to remember when we're being pruned or we're going through suffering. It is so hard to remember that this is for a purpose. Either God is going to do something in my life or he's going to use this in my life at some point in the future that I might be a blessing or be able to speak a word to comfort someone else um, or that might be a benefit to someone in the church, you know, over and over again. And you and I could stand up and, you know, if we had, if we had a few hours, I could ask you to stand up and testify about how some of your suffering God has used uh, for you to be able to speak into the life of someone else. True? How many of you, yes, you can relate to this. I've seen God's goodness. No, really, raise your hands. I've seen God's goodness through my own suffering. I've seen him work behind the scenes to carry out something that I never would have imagined, but he's done good in my circumstances even when I couldn't see it. This is true because by faith we believe God is good and he always intends good for us even when our circumstances don't look that way. True? Okay. We got to keep on. <clears throat> Verse 3. You already, you, you already clean. I don't know what's happened to my vocabulary. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. This is fascinating. Jesus says, by the word, by the logos that I've spoken to you, if we say in Texas, logos, by the logos that, that I've spoken to you, you are already clean. He's saying by the words, but, but not only the words, probably he means by the words and the actions, by my preaching, by my demonstration of my power, by my revealing myself, you guys have become clean because they had come to believe in him. Now, their belief wasn't fulfilled yet. They didn't know all was happening. They were still confused about the whole, you know, going away for three days and then coming back. Uh, they were all completely confused about that, so there were some things to work out. But they were already clean by the words and the actions, by the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, uh, boy, that's part of the truth of the Scriptures, isn't it? This is one of the reasons why they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, is that the, the Word has a cleansing, a purifying, a true thing, a transforming effect on us. And that's why we have to be in it every day. That's why we have to be in the Scriptures every day, because the world is corrupting, but the Word is cleansing. Uh, amen? Okay, I'm not going to chase that any further, but, uh, you know, hear me now, believe me later. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay. Here we go. Your ability to bear fruit lies in your union with Christ. This is simple. You remain in Christ, you will bear fruit. You don't remain in Christ, no fruit. Right? It's very simple. The, you know, he, he doesn't mix words here. There are no mixed metaphors. This is very simple. You will bear fruit if you are in Christ. And may I say, um, there will be fruit in the life of the person who's joined to Jesus Christ. You hear me? He is so powerful, and the gospel message is so powerful that if you are joined in him, there will be fruit. Amen? There will be fruit in your life if you are joined with him. Uh, there will be. There is no escaping. It is his power and it is sovereignty, his calling in you, and he will accomplish it. But really quickly, what does it mean for, for what does the word, what does it mean to remain in him? This is, this is a, almost a very, almost a, such a simple um, uh, concept that it's almost difficult to put into practice. The, the, the verb there, remain, in mean, there means to abide or to live with, to, to continue with. It, it means that, that they had already come to him and, and, and to come into him, and now he was leaving, but he's telling them, but remain in me, abide with me. Even though I'm leaving, you need to remain. And even though you've come, you need to remain in me or abide with me or continue with me. You have to continue uh, with me. And 
uh, boy, putting that into practice is maybe a little bit hard, but remaining in him is to continue in your faith in him. And I'm not just talking about continuing in faith. You know, the word we use faith here in English is just pathetic. But when I say remain in your faith, what, what I'm talking about is that it's not just some intellectual extent that I really, really, you know, yesterday I believed that Jesus Christ really lived and died for my sin, but today I really, really believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and paid for the penalty for my sins. And tomorrow I'm really, really, really going to believe it. That, that's not really, it's not just some intellectual assent to some facts. It's the belief, it's, it's, it's the faith that we're supposed to continue in, and it's the belief that, that, listen, that he is going to continue his work, that what he started, he continues. And that's, that's another whole part of faith to believe that he's going to have a part in sanctifying me or, or bringing me ba- about in my relationship with him where I'm going to grow and I'm going to bear fruit. And part of that is just simply believing or continuing in faith with him, or continuing to have a growing faith in him, that he's going to continue his work. Yeah? Does that make a little bit of sense? But even more than that, um, remaining in him is not just believing in him, even though that's really crucial, but it also includes being in union with him, meaning that we share his thoughts, that we share his intentions, that we share his power, that we share his focus, that we share his priorities, that we love the things that he loves and we hate the things that he hates, um, that we agree with him uh, about his work and, and his fruit, that we agree with him about what's good and what's bad, that I agree with him that my sin is evil and needs to be done away with. I agree with him that his work is priority in my life, right? We in America, we're so very staunchly independent, which is so good in some ways and so bad in some others, that we sometimes Christians, here's, I, I'm, I'm afraid that we in the church have developed this mindset that I can have a... a, 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 um, um, a, a I'll come up with it in a second. Uh, an identification, a, um, a personality, and an and a identity. That's what I'm looking for. An identity separate from Christ. And then uh, I've got that that I live with, you know, six days a week. But on Sundays, I'm, 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 in, I'm like-minded with, with Jesus. Well, that, that's not united with him. You can't live one way and then, and then act like at home around your friends you're some other way. United with Christ means that you've submitted yourself to him and said, I'm united in this, is that your cause is my cause. You desire the gospel to be carried out, and so I deserve, desire the gospel to be carried out. And when I don't deserve the gospel to be carried out, or I don't want any part of it, then I'm in the wrong, and I, with, and I agree with God in this. You hear me? Being united with Christ has a lot to do with submitting to him and says, your will is mine. Your authority is over me. Uh, you know, when we come to Christ, a lot of times we, we, uh, we think that we're, we can kind of pull God our way. Well, these are the things that I want. That's not really the way this deal works. I don't know if you get this, but he's sovereign and we're not. And so uh, it's quite the other way is that we agree with him about what he thinks. The things that he thinks are important, we think are important. The things that he thinks that we should be, that he loves, we should love. The things that he hates, we should hate. Yeah. And that's a union of Christ. And in, uh, in verse 9, we didn't read this one, but in verse 9, um, it's, it's described as remaining in his love. Um, which is so important, and let me just say this and we'll go on, but if you're not growing in love for God and in greater love for people, here's what, here's what it, it should look like. If I were to chart it down, the longer you walk with Christ, what, the greater or less our love should be toward God? Greater. The, if, the longer I walk with Christ, the greater or less my love should be toward other people. Good answers, yes, all correct, yes. Um, if, I'm not, if I'm showing a decline in my love for God or a decline in my love for people, What's happening? I can tell you. 
you're not remaining with Christ. You cannot be engrafted. You cannot be part of the branch and not have a love for Christ. And very simply, the cure for this, you've got to remain in him. You've got to agree that his will is sovereign over your will. And you've got to spend time in his word, and you've got to spend time in meditation and prayer, and you've got to be honest with him and say, I don't really like people these days. I need your love in my heart for them. I'm not really feeling much affection, Lord God, toward you. He knows it already. You know, it's not like he's going to, you know, be shocked. Uh, he's never surprised, right? Uh, he's, when, when you go through times, and let's be honest. I mean, goodness gracious, we've we got to be honest with our There are times in our lives we don't feel great affection toward God. It's true, isn't it? It's true in your life. It's true in my life. There's times in our lives that we go through where we're, where we're you know, spent or we're tired or we're, we're going through suffering or we've just had it with people that we don't love them very much. It's just true. We're just weak people, but we serve an incredibly powerful God. And the cure for all of that is remaining in him. Are you more impatient with people than you had been? Are, are, you, are you less forgiving toward them? The cure is you must remain in Jesus Christ, just simply. And, and I can tell you where we're growing in the wrong direction, where we're going in the wrong direction, the cure is to be plugged into the vine to remember that all of the love and all the affection we have for God and for other people has to come from him, right? Because it happens in our lives. We get impatient and less forgiving with people than Jesus Christ would have us. But uh, anyway, if you remain in Christ, your love for God and your love for people will be growing. Okay, um, if you fail to remain in Christ, this is a terrible statement. Are you ready for this? You're wasting your life. Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he said, be very careful how you live. Not, don't be unwise, but be wise. And remember, the days are evil. Listen, if you and I are going through life and God's prepared work for us to do, and we're, 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 um, we're blocked from being able to see those work because we're not remaining in Jesus Christ, because we're not spending time with him, we're not being reminded about what's important, our, our spiritual eyes aren't in tune about what's going around us or where God's working, and if we're blind to all of those things and we go through our lives just focused on the temporary, you're wasting your life. Because all that other junk, another five years, it's not going to matter. My job, the things I pay for, the things I spend money on outside of the kingdom of God, it's just not going to matter. Brenda was telling me the other day, they saw in the paper a, a man who had uh, served in, I believe it was World War II. Um, he was uh, at the uh, VA hospital in the, their long term. I guess they have a nursing home there. But uh, he died, and um, this lady saw the, the obituary in the paper, and there was no family listed, and so she and and her mom decided to go, and they went, and there was no one there at his funeral. Um, that's very sad, but, but here's the other thing is, you know, in two generations, if we last that long, no one's going to remember us. No one's going to remember us here, right? But the things that we did here matter. Not that I've made a name for myself or you've made a name for yourself, but the things that we did here matter. The things that we did when we agreed with God and said this work is important, this thing that I'm doing that has eternal significance, that's so important, those things will matter. And those things will live on well beyond our lives. Amen? Well beyond this existence, those things will live on. That's incredible, isn't it? That's incredibly powerful. Last thing is this. God wants you to bear much fruit. Look in John chapter 15, verse 5. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear what? Much fruit. And in verse 8, what does he say? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right. Um, I need to close with this. Let me close with this. I need you to decide today if you're defeated and unusable by God or not. And, of course, the answer I want you to come up with is no. He's prepared work for me. He knew where he was going to place me, the job I would be at, the family I would be in, the neighborhood that I'm in. He's known where he would put me, and he prepared work for me to do, his work, significant work important work that will live on beyond my life. And I need you to decide when it comes crunch time, when, you're, when you have the invitation, when God opens a door for you to work and to minister, whether that's through giving of your time, giving of your money, uh, just being able to speak and to talk to someone about what the Lord has done in your life and for you just to, just to have the time to, to shine the light of the gospel into their lives and say, I know what you're going through your, with your, in your marriage. I've been through some tough times too. Let me talk to you about it. I know what you're going through in this feeling of insignificance or directionless living. I've been through that too. I know what you're feeling. Or I know what you're talking about. You're talking about struggling with your finances. Man, we've been through that too. I know what you're going through when you're talking about having trouble with your kids because, man, my wife and I, we've been through it too. I know what you're talking about. And anyway, that we have to relate through the suffering that we've gone through, we can relate to. But the, the important thing is this, is that at that time, you get the opportunity to stand there and take a swing at that and just see what the Lord will do, or you get the, you get just hold your bat, your, the, the bat on your shoulder and say, no, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to assume this is going to go uh, uh, foul. I'm just going to assume this is going to go ball, and I'll just take the count. Right? I, look, look a, a, a baseball illustration. I know nothing about it. That's, that was impressive. I get credit for that. Um, just kidding. Um, but you and I have the opportunity at that time, and you've got to decide what you believe about God. Do you believe he is powerful enough to work through you or not? And I'm telling you this morning, he is. You've got to decide that this morning. He can work in you in any way that he desires and accomplish his will in you. Amen? The second thing is this. You've got to make up your mind what you're going to do, whether or not you're going to remain in Christ or not. Now, this is a choice you have to make. No one's going to hold your hand and sit with you in the morning and say, oh, we need to spend a little time in the Scriptures, right? That's not going to happen. You have to decide, are you going to be spending time with him every day or are you not? If you're not, you're not going to be bearing fruit and your life is going to be slipping away, slipping away and slipping away while you go about doing temporary things that one day aren't, just, aren't going to matter. Or you're going to have the ability to spend time with Jesus Christ and he's going to be able to open your eyes to truth and to his Father's work around you and ask you to be involved and to see him accomplish his work in you. I need you to decide those two things. Are you going to let him be an obstacle? Or are you going to ask the Lord, open my eyes. Let me see the work you've prepared for me. And then you do it. You show up and you do things that I can't even imagine to know what to expect when you work. Amen? All right. Let's play, uh, play a little something here. Oh. Okay, yeah. Let's, uh, let's pray together and then we'll sing and be dismissed. How would that be? Those you're thinking? All right. Would you all stand with me and we're going to pray together. Lord, we read the scriptures and, and Lord, sometimes we read it so much third person that we just don't even think about how it relates to our lives. We think of maybe, maybe you're just talking to everybody else and not us. This morning, Lord, you're talking to each one of us. 
This morning you're talking to each one and you want to ask each one, I, 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 I want each one to, to reconcile and struggle with, this, with these questions. Do I believe more in my failures than I do in the, the power of God? And the next thing is, do I spend enough time with him to even know what's going on, to even see what he's doing? Or I pray the answer to both of those questions is that yes, is that we're paying attention. Yes, we're remaining in you. And yes, we believe in your ability to work in us despite our failings and our weaknesses. Lord God, we believe in your power. We believe in your plan. We believe that you continue your work even to this day and that somehow, Lord God, you desire to accomplish your work through us even though we're broken vessels. You desire to do your work in us. So Lord, send us out from this place, Lord, with your power, under your power, under your authority when we remain in you and have faith in you that you're going to accomplish all that you desire in us. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.